This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, Alyssa here. So this Wednesday's Not a Serial Killer podcast is going to be about a case that kind of runs in the vein of being similar to Onision's. Before the news of this guy started to spread, I'd actually not heard of him at all, to be honest. But as the Onision case was getting more and more serious, girls started coming forward about this other guy and I was kind of keeping a bit of an eye on it on the side. But there have been requests for more information about him and especially from a close friend of mine, so we're going to cover it today. This is an ongoing situation and the authorities in both Florida and Colorado are currently investigating. So everything I say he's done or been accused of falls under quote alleged, you know, I'm legally covering my ass. It goes without saying that this will be about a man allegedly, supposedly having sex with underage girls. So it's going to be explicit. It's probably going to be triggering listener discretion advised and so on okay all right i just want to make sure you understand okay here we go this week's podcast will be on jesus david torres aka davi vanity now girls have been coming forward for years but lately girls have been coming forward stating that he groomed them and had sex with them when they were very well underage He was born on September 5th, 1984 in North Carolina, making him, as of this recording, 35 years old. Now, since this guy isn't really like a household name kind of thing, there's not a whole lot about his early life. Some say he came from a poor family. Others say he came from a rich family. Sources say he had both of his parents at home, at least in his youth, and that they supported his want of a music career, though they were not crazy about his choice in music. At some point, he moved to Florida, Orlando specifically, with his mother, because sources say the, at this point, 22-year-old Davi, which is what I'm going to call him, started a trio called Love the Fashion with two other people in 2006. The group was originally nothing but a joke, which soon developed into the group Blood on the Dance Floor. The music is described as American electronic music and on a couple of other ways. Now, since I had not heard of this band, I checked it out. And it didn't grab me at all, it's just not my cup of tea, but I can understand the appeal, especially to his preferred audience, I should say. They were heavily representing the whole scene kid atmosphere. Now, I have people that listen to me from all over the world. I love you guys, but I know that some of you are not going to know what that is. So just Google S-C-E-N-E kids, as in the scene from a movie, scene kids, and that will give you all the visual you need. Now, this was all during the MySpace days. 
There, he had some nicknames, one of them being Elite Hair God. He and his group wore heavy stage makeup and eventually joined Warped Tour. And again, a good chunk of you are not going to know what Warped Tour is, but basically it was this traveling rock and punk rock show that toured during the summer all throughout the United States and some into Canada. Warped Tour began in 1995. Some other notable bands that have been a part of Warped Tour are Motionless in White, Memphis May Fire, Gym Class Heroes, Crown the Empire, which I happen to like, Attila, New Year's Day, whom I've seen live, but notably Jeffrey Starr, back when he was doing his whole music career. And that's basically all the backstory that's needed for this case, guys. So Davi's fan base was made up of mostly underage, teenaged girls, and that's who he specifically kind of targeted. According to Vice.com, and again, guys, disclaimer, disclaimer, quote, Blood on the dance floor has always pushed the boundaries of sexual content, especially since its fan base is mostly tweens and teenagers. In a video uploaded in 2012, for example, Vanity can be heard telling the crowd, You guys are better than sex. I just want to calm on all your little titties tonight. The band's lyrics also promote revenge porn and the sexual degradation and humiliation of women. Unquote. Oh yes, we're going there, guys. So in 2009, girls and young women who had been coming forward for years began to come forward in droves, stating he sexually assaulted or raped them. Most of them were minors. Former bandmates have described him as a sexual predator. Ash Costello, the lead singer of New Year's Day, was interviewed by Loudwire.com where she said, in summation, that she tried to bring attention to Davi's behavior while her band was on Warped Tour with his and several others, and she was basically bullied about it. She said people told her that she was just trying to bring attention to herself and more attention to her band and so on, but after she called attention to it, she stated that victims began coming to her with physical evidence. Ash then apparently took the evidence and filed a police report and she was basically ignored. And Ash wasn't the only one. And now the Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator has become involved. So the first girl that Chris interviewed regarding Davi on Chris's YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, featuring Holly and Ashley. Her name is Ashley Lilly, and she lived in Florida where Davi was living then. This is not the Ash Costello, it's a different Ashley. Now, Ashley states that her mother took her to a concert, her and a friend, in 2008. She was 13 years old at the time. And she said that she had heard his band's music like the day prior to his concert and that she wasn't really a fan, but she thought Davi looked cool. So she's at this concert, she's walking around, and she sees Davi working his own merchandise booth. So she approached him and started a conversation. Mind you, she was 13. She said he was over the top nice to her, that he proclaimed loudly, I love you! And she was flattered, of course, a little starstruck. 
she purchased a t-shirt and went back to watch the show. Her mother met Davi's band manager that night as well and asked her how her daughter and the friend could hang out with the band. Now, Ashley says that her mother didn't mean it in any bad way other than she just wanted to come across as the cool mom. I take issue with that, but whatever. The lady told her mom that Davi, quote, did hair, meaning he knew how to do kind of the choppy teased big scene hair that was popular then. A few days later, Davi messaged Ashley on MySpace offering to come to her house and do her hair. A few months later, the then 25-year-old singer scheduled a day to go over to the 13-year-old's house to give her a haircut and, you know, kind of teach her how to maintain it. She states that he had a whole hair kit, which makes me think that perhaps he had a license for cosmetology. I don't know. She provided a mirror selfie picture of him and her together in her room. Her mother gave Davi alcohol and he began sneaking and giving Ashley drinks as well. And she said she became buzzed. She was, like I said, kind of starstruck. And due to him having drinks, her mother said that, you know, he could stay and sleep on the couch. He waited until the mother went to bed, then went into Ashley's room. She had a friend over, as I said, and he began suggesting that the two barely teenage girls kiss. They finally gave in and kissed each other, and then he began kissing them. Her friend eventually kind of rolled over and was starting to go to sleep, and he began kissing Ashley quite passionately. He's 25, guys. She's 13. He put her hand on his genitals that he had exposed at this point, but she pulled her hand back and said no. She said he became irritated, he rolled over, he wouldn't speak to her. Eventually, he left her room and slept on the couch, and he left the next day. So they contacted each other later, and after a while, he stated that he wanted to hang out with her again. She was so young that she just didn't think this was strange, of course. They went and saw a movie together in a movie theater. She says he snuggled her during the movie. Afterward, it was dark outside, and he went and parked his car behind this outback steakhouse restaurant. He began making out with her again, and she felt like she was going to be forced to perform oral sex on him. She told him, quote, I don't want my first time to be forced, unquote. And he got explosively angry, and he drove like a madman, you know, to take her home, but he pulled over near her house in this wooded area and then he of course did a 180 and apologized and then guilted her into doing it anyway right there he then took her home and then slept on her couch she didn't tell her mother what happened and he continued this with her for a while In fact, after nearly a couple of years of this, where she states he raped her, not talked her into sex and she wasn't really into it. I mean, fully raped her. She heard of another girl that Davi was fighting with online who was only 11 years old at the time. And yes, we'll get into her story in a minute. Ashley began to realize just how wrong this whole situation was because she was like 15 now. This went on for a couple of years. She's 15. 
they eventually lost contact and to this day she's in her 20s now and she still has issues with sexual situations where she begins to have really extreme anxiety she states that there are 21 other girls that this happened to I will, of course, put the link to her interview in the podcast notes below if you want to hear the entire story. I use and cite the Chris Hansen interviews because these are the actual person's words, not just statements taken from someone else. The next victim that Chris Hansen interviewed was who he called Victim Zero. Back then, she was known as Jessie Slaughter, and for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to call her Jessie to save on confusion, so don't at me with pronouns and real names. We're just going to call her Jessie for this, okay? And the link to her video is also in the podcast notes. Okay, so Jessie grew up in a small town in Florida. She had heard about Davi through school friends. She added him on MySpace and she liked his music. She was 10 years old. I'm going to say that so many more times in this. She was 10 years old. Davi was 24. Jesse went to a small concert where he was after chatting with him on MySpace and she met him there. This was apparently before Blood on the Dance Floor had any kind of real following. She developed a crush on him immediately, as a lot of 10-year-old little starstruck girls would. Jessie described him in her interview as a mean friend, you know, catty. He had a bad temper and he was bitchy. He could use her adoration of him to talk her into changing up her MySpace page, including changing her name to Jessie Slaughter. He taught her how to play guitar and do fun things with her hair. When her parents would question anything, he would tell them that they were writing music together and that he felt Jesse had talent. Davi would take Jesse to his house so they could, quote, hang out. And at this point, they had only been friends for a short while. She stated in her interview that he was, quote, obsessed with putting his fingers in my mouth, unquote. He nearly immediately began pressuring her into giving him oral sex. She actually told people about it, but no one would believe her. Davi took this 10-year-old's virginity. He told this child that he was going to take her on tour with him, and she dreamed of joining his band and so on, but instructed her to stay quiet due to her age. If they were seen together, he would, of course, play it off like she was his annoying little cousin and so on. Then it came out that Davi had been arrested in Colorado, where he was also literally pulled off of the stage by the police and arrested. But the young girl that turned him in for sexual assault got scared and dropped the charges, so he was released. Other sources say that he paid her off. Now, Jessie's parents questioned her, but she told them and she believed that the girl had lied about it. She was now 11 years old. She stated that he did very much encourage her to use alcohol 
and drugs, but she said she wasn't into it, though she did try some. One she specifically mentioned was MDMA that aggravated her bipolar disorder and instantly put her into a manic state. Yes, I'll get to that later. So this continued until the summer of 2010. She was now 12 years old. Davi was 26. A girl posted on some forum that Jesse and Davi were dating. Jesse, of course being so young, made a hateful video toward the girl. Jesse's mother tried to get a hold of Davi to get together to squash these rumors, but at that point, he had already gone into one of his little tissy fits and said that Jesse was a slut and he disowned her. He then wrote a song about her with lyrics stating, quote, My name and reputation won't be the target of a slut. I'll be on top of the world and you'll be cutting yourself. Fucked. Unquote. He released that song on her 12th birthday, actually. After that, as you can imagine, the internet lost its mind, and in the most horrific and disappointing way. She was bullied and harassed. She was attacked online. Memes created about her mocking her. He had his fans send her hate mail, sign her up for all this crazy random junk mail to go to her house, and he told his legion of fans to tell her to kill herself. Jesse states she developed maladaptive daydreaming disorder. We'll get to it. She withdrew, isolated. She attempted suicide after hearing that song. But thankfully, she never spoke to him again. But the in-house fighting landed her in foster care for a short while. I mean, this was not a joke. There also exists a police report that shows he raped a child and he was let off with a warning, according to Huffington Post's Sebastian Murdoch. Davi is known to sign his autograph on tween and teen girls' breasts happily. And this isn't the standard yet unacceptable kind of popular musician sleeping with teenage girls. I mean, no, he violently raped some of these girls. So basically, it was during this MySpace atmosphere when all of that was super popular that he found his niche, his level of fame, if you will. And it was just sort of known that Davi liked to hook up with girls between the ages of 11 and 14-ish. In my research, I heard the term, quote, open secret many times. Witnesses have come forward stating they would hear that these very young girls, you know, talking about wanting to be sexual with Dobby because they knew he liked young girls. Girls who were at a very vulnerable age and in a hurry to be a grown-up and didn't have the mental maturity to realize just how demented that was. A former bandmate of his, Jay Von Monroe, stated that when he first met Davi, he seemed very down-to-earth and nice. He said Davi was, quote, all light and positivity, unquote, and that he had a very childish personality. But once he joined the band as a singer and he started touring with Davi, he saw a very different side. He said he displayed aggression and a very short temper. 
He said Davi was eerily able to just drop people and they would no longer exist. He could just move on instantly. Davi looks at people as completely disposable. Jay also said that toward the end of his career with the band, he realized that Davi was flying girls in, getting a hotel room, then going back and forth between their shared home and the hotel room for like a week sometimes, keeping or storing that girl in the room for his use. And he flew many, many girls in and out in this manner. According to Blair White, he would buy them one ticket into the city. And in order to get a flight home, these young teenage girls would have to perform sexual favors or he would threaten to not buy them the return flight home ticket. And it wasn't just one sexual favor, folks. Each sexual act was apparently worth $50 and they would have to continue to perform until they racked up enough to equal the price of the plane ticket. In other words, human trafficking. And the truly sick thing is, to this day, tween girls are standing up for him, saying he's their God and Savior. People say his following is nearly like a cult. They bully his victims online even now. He's changed his stage name from Davi Vanity to Kawaii Monster and is apparently still very much active on social media trying to stay relevant. He is of course either denying claims or being evasive, but also using this time when his name is out and everywhere to try to push for more merchandise sales. So now we have to bring Jeffree Star into the discussion which I'm quite honestly hesitant to do because I know his fan base is huge and rabid. I mean, I like Jeffree Star. Sincerely, I've always been a fan. But for this being kind of a side gig, I'm not gonna compromise my own integrity because of a, the fear of backlash. So here we go. Now, Blood on the Dance Floor toured with Jeffree Star back when Jeffree was doing music. Apparently, Jeffrey tweeted back in 2011 that he saw Davi bring underage girls to his hotel room and do sexual things. Jeffrey also said that being on tour with that child effer, I'm not going to say it, made him see the truth and that he regretted doing a song with, quote, that pig. Fast forward around a year. Jeffrey and Blood on the Dance Floor were touring with Warped Tour. Davi's former bandmate, Jay, states that, states that Jeffrey just walked onto their bus one day after those tweets and was being very social, and Davi bantered back in a joking way, all being very catty, as if the two were getting along again. So, did Jeffrey not care? Or did Davi convince him that all of the rumors and what he had seen was not as it seemed? So again, I'm going to use Chris Hansen's interview with Jeffrey as source material because, again, these are the words coming from the horse's mouth, so to speak. I will link Jeffrey's interview below, of course. During the time when Jeffrey was making music, he said the atmosphere was very crass and offensive. It was a very offensive culture. The MySpace culture, he said. 
Jeffrey also stated that they did very offensive things on purpose. It was just part of being in the punk rock electronic music scene. The two met through Davi being a fan of Jeffrey's who was musically active from 2006 until 2013 when Jeffrey finally quit. They met at a show Jeffrey was doing in Florida. As time went along, of course, we know Davi put his band together and Jeffrey began seeing Davi playing at the same places that he was. Blood on the dance floor was very much into partying, drinking, and doing drugs, and Jeffrey has always maintained that he never drank or did any drugs outside of marijuana, of course. Due to that, he didn't really hang out with Davi and that group all that much. So then we're going to get into this, this clip that's been going around, okay? There is a clip of a show that someone filmed in 2010 that shows Jeffrey on stage with Davi. It appears that someone was filming from the side of the stage. They weren't in the audience. We see a very young Jeffrey singing, and he walks to the side of the stage to lean over the crowd. He's singing his into it. We see what looks like about a 13-year-old girl, that's my guess, on the stage dancing. And for people that don't know, it's pretty common for artists to bring people on stage to sing along, dance along, and they jump back out in the crowd. That's normal. But we see Davi go behind this young girl and begin to bounce his groin against her bottom repeatedly. At first, it appears Jeffrey wasn't seeing it, but unfortunately, there's no denying that Jeffrey turned around, he saw what was happening, and he approached the situation. Now, he didn't join in on anything doing on that girl, and in fact, what I saw was him reaching out and touching Davi's arm. I feel like he might have been trying to not interrupt the whole show, the whole vibe, and he was just, but he grabbed his arm and was kind of saying like, dude, what are you doing? But I don't know because I wasn't there. All I saw was a very short, small clip. And of course, Jeffrey flat out says he was not endorsing that behavior at all. Jeffrey also says that Davi was a master manipulator and Jeffrey's not the only one who said that and was shockingly good at twisting things to appear to not be as bad as they looked. Jeffrey said that mothers would bring their kids onto the RVs or tour buses to meet the musicians, and that that is actually incredibly common, but the mother was always usually on the bus with them. Jeffrey also states <laughs> that Davi was having threesomes with the daughters and their mothers. Yeah. Now, he didn't specifically go on Davi's bus to hang out with Davi. He states he was close with Jay, the band member mentioned before, and another bandmate. So he would go visit with them. He said that Davi controlled Jay like a cult leader. He controlled every aspect of Jay's life, including every dime that Jay earned. So this is a, the gray area that kind of leaves much to be interpreted, okay? Jeffrey states that people are accusing him of bringing his very young fan base around Davi, and he said that that is not true. Now, you can either agree or you can agree to disagree, but I'm going to say that it wasn't Jeffrey's job to babysit those people's children at these shows. 100% not his job. 
He's there to perform and earn his money. End of sentence. So Jeffrey said that there were a lot of crazy rumors about Davi way back in the day. And other than the incident in Colorado where the charges were dropped, he wasn't aware of any other cases against Davi. I mean, there was a lot of speculation. So in the early days, Jeffrey wasn't sure. He said it was believable, but stated in his interview that he never saw any explicit illegal sexual assaults contact from Davi acted upon a child. He says he saw very inappropriate behavior, so he got on Twitter and posted very inflammatory statements calling Davi a child molester and so on. He says at the time he meant every word he said in his tweets. Then after that, Jeffrey states that Davi, being good at manipulation, as many people have said, would be just shy of proving his innocence. And I get the impression that Jeffrey, like any normal human being, didn't want to think that he actually knew and actually had to be around a pedophile rapist. I think we can all agree that denial is a bitch for sure. And since nothing further happened to Davi legally, people just assumed that he must have been innocent. I think they just thought he was inappropriate and pervy and perhaps just didn't want to let their mind go there. But Jeffrey then, after the tweets, went backwards and backed Davi up and worked with him again. He says he talked to Jay and the other bandmate and asked them if they knew for sure if he was a pedophile rapist and both of them told him that they had not witnessed anything like that. So he booked another tour with him. He tweeted that Davi was his brother and then Jeffrey stated that everyone knows that he's got this big dramatic personality but that he never actually thought of them as brothers. Finally, Jeffrey said working with Davi again was a huge, huge mistake. Chris Hansen then goes on to say that people are coming after Jeffrey as if he is a predator and whatever. And Chris Hansen is now under fire over the interview with Jeffrey because it did, I mean, it did seem like he was kind of helping to blow the rumors over, so to speak. But if you watch that video, that interview between Jeffrey and Chris, and you pay attention to the live chat box over there and what the viewers are saying, it will blow your mind. Other than the people who are sticking up for Jeffrey, the nicest thing people are saying is that he's deflecting, that he's lying, that he actually saw full-on criminal behavior, that he's just trying to cover his own ass and so on. Perhaps he didn't want to risk his fame back in that day. So what evidence is there against Jeffrey? Well, I watched some of the reaction videos about this interview. They showed the tweets where Jeffrey said, quote, we saw Davi bring underage girls to his hotel rooms and do sexual things 100% illegal, unquote. The rest of the tweets I saw were his opinion on the matter, but he did tweet that he saw things. Are we to take that literally, or is he mouthing off as he is well known for? If I'm going to be unbiased in this, which is hard for me, believe me, I'm doing my best. It does seem that Jeffrey contradicts himself a lot between his past behavior when it comes to Davi and what he's saying now. 
And again, I want to reiterate, it was not Jeffrey's job to babysit people's kids at these shows and the after show meetups, but yes, he should have turned him in. Parents need to watch their children closely. Why were minor girls allowed to fly wherever with their parents' permission in the first place? And I think that Jeffrey should 100% not be the only one singled out because I think Davi's bandmates definitely knew more than probably Jeffrey did, and they did nothing. The roadies did nothing. The hotel employees did nothing. All of them would be just as guilty for not turning Davi in. Okay, and that's the gist of the story. So with some of the stories told, just so you know how disgusting this guy is, supposedly, oh my God, allegedly, he's not legally guilty yet. Let's get into some of the science. All abuse is, of course, traumatic and harmful to the victims. But most sexual offenders don't leave visible scars as evidence. Most don't. The signs a child will show often depend on their age at the time of the sexual abuse, their own mental health at the time, their coping skills, their gender, and their social support. Gender being that girls are more vulnerable, but make no mistake, boys are victims too. The physical effects of sexual abuse are, of course, the risk of a sexually transmitted infection, urinary tract infections, pregnancy at a young age, difficulty walking or sitting, bruises or other wounds around the genitals or mouth, and of course, bleeding. And there is a story that Davi did in fact force a girl to give him oral sex to the point that he made her bleed. So I read. But the psychological effects are horrible. There's anger, powerlessness or learned helplessness, distrust of others, terror, anxiety, shame, guilt and self-hatred, alienation from their bodies, isolation, withdrawal from society, depression, extreme passivity, obsession with sex or the opposite, a complete aversion to it. Some go on to sexually offend, and then there's, of course, suicide. So make no mistake, this age is just a number, crap, disgusting people. You think it isn't that bad because you aren't murdering them or whatever your excuse is. That child is permanently changed, forever suffering because you wanted five minutes of pleasure. I would know. Jessie admits openly that she exists in a state of arrested development, that her maturity and mental growth were stunted completely. After she states this, she giggles exactly as any 10-year-old little girl would, only she's 21 years old now. She is actually still younger than Davi was when he began molesting her. She made a comment about being a bag of emotions constantly. Well, studies have shown that being sexually or emotionally abused as a child can affect the development of a part of the brain that controls memory and regulates emotions. 
there is a huge body of evidence that shows childhood maltreatment or abuse raises the risk of mental illnesses such as depression, personality disorders, and anxiety well into adulthood. The long duration of the high stress levels reduce the hippocampus by up to 6.5%. Now the hippocampus is deep within the brain and it regulates motivation, learning and memory, and emotion. So yes, of course she is a bag of emotions at all times. And yes, the natural progression of her maturity that was occurring when she was only 10 freaking years old was stunted. And at 21 years old, she still very much moves her body, changes facial expressions, and giggles like a 10-year-old little girl because that's when the abuse began and everything halted. Jessie also stated that she's bipolar now, symptoms include recklessness, overexcited feelings, and they imagine that they are more important or influential than what they actually are. They can also experience severe lows, feeling helpless and depressed, not being able to concentrate or make decisions, and so on. MDMA is known by other names, but it's ecstasy. It is a psychedelic amphetamine that gives the user a feeling of heightened awareness, heightened senses, visual distortions, appetite loss, restlessness, jaw clenching, teeth grinding, a change in body temperature, and increased energy. Jessie stated that when she took MDMA, and keep in mind, she was 10 years old. I cannot stress this enough that the drug instantly put her into a manic phase. Jessie also says she now has maladaptive daydreaming disorder, which was admittedly a new thing for me. So I looked it up. The U.S. National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health, say this about it. Quote, maladaptive daydreaming, or MD, has many features of behavioral addiction. MD was developed as a strategy to cope with distress, but led to uncontrollable absorption in fantasy, social withdrawal, and neglecting aspects of everyday life, unquote. It is a disordered form of dissociative absorption associated with vivid and excessive fantasy activity that often involves elaborate and fanciful scenarios. It can result in distress. It often replaces actual human interaction and interferes with normal functioning. People who suffer from MD can spend more than half of their days in vivid alternate universes. I think the key thing to take away from this is that it is dissociative. You disassociate. So Davi permanently and forever changed Jesse. Supposedly, allegedly, supposedly. Davi is a pedophile and he sexually abused her at just 10 years old. I can't say that often enough. She was far too young to understand the ramifications of her situation. She wanted to feel cool and important to an older boy. She now suffers with serious issues and her mental growth has been permanently stunted. Then when he was done with her, 
he discarded her like a piece of garbage when she was only 12 and then let the entirety of the internet troll population tear her completely apart. And she attempted suicide. Ashley was only slightly older and though she didn't display any outward signs of being stunted that I saw personally, it's still obvious that she is continuing to suffer. And these are only two girls out of the 22 known victims at the time of this recording. And I'm quite sure there are many, many more. Everyone who's been around him and had any knowledge of this should have reported him, period. Period. This should never have been allowed to happen on any level, period. Yes, I think Jeffrey knew Davi was a pedophile and he should have turned him in. And as far as I know, he didn't. He called him out on social media, which is good, but then turned around and worked with him again, and I, I do have an issue with that. But I also think Davi's bandmates knew and didn't report him. I think hotel staff and other various staff and other friends of his and other people working in other industries and in his industry that saw him hanging out with such young girls didn't report him like they should have. And my biggest issue with this is, my biggest issue with this is, and I know people are going to come for me in the comments, I can already hear the comments. Where were the parents? Many victims talk about how their parents had no idea. Bullshit. Maybe in a few cases. But I'm telling you right now, if I had a 10-year-old daughter who wanted to hang out with a man in his mid-20s, I wouldn't care how much money he had or how much influence he tried to tell me he had there would be no way in hell that I would allow that I would have flat out told him he needed to go find friends his own age again whose parents are letting their underage daughters fly across the country alone to meet a nearly 30 year old man and if the girls lied why weren't the parents verifying this information over-emotional teenagers are tough to parent. That's a known. But if you give a shit about your child at all, why aren't you asking questions, silently observing, verifying information? From my research and how I understand this, it's that he targeted kids whose parents didn't care enough to do these things. That's my opinion. That's just my opinion. And Davi. Every time he put his hands on those girls, he knew it was wrong. Even if he had empathy or capacity to care if it was wrong. No. Even if he didn't have empathy or didn't have the capacity to care if it was wrong, he knew society's and the law's rules about touching children and he completely disregarded them, forever scarring these poor innocent girls for a few moments of pleasure and guys oh, I heard whispers that he didn't just do this to little girls either that there were young boys as well it makes me sick crap happened to me on multiple occasions as a very very small child all the way up until I was 19 and I can tell you with 100% accuracy that it messes you up for the rest of your fucking life don't fucking touch children, period. 
This case and Onision's has spurred me to research a podcast on pedophilia in general, so there will be that coming sometime in the future. And on an end note, a girl in the comments of one of Chris Hansen's videos commented, quote, This dude is literally the scene version of R. Kelly, unquote, and I couldn't agree more. Thanks for listening. <laughs>